But I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. And you're going to love this study. Now, for you, I see some of you that haven't been here. Two weeks ago, we started a series of studies called Breakthroughs. And I told you, take your ink pen. When you come to service, if you're visiting today, we're glad to have you. When you come to service, bring your Bible. Bring an ink pen. Now, if you don't have your ink Bible, at least reach forward in that pocket in that chair in front of you. There should be an ink pen in there. And if there's bubble gum, sorry. Just reach for the ink pen. Because every week we'll write down things you'll want to remember about the Word of God. Now, one thing I told you two weeks ago is according to BibleInfo.com, and Andy, I, I told Andy this week, I want you to do some checking on that, Andy. But according to BibleInfo.com, you can go on the web, there's 5,536 promises and commands in God's Word. That means there's 5,536 privileges of God for us to live, but often we don't live all those because we need a breakthrough. And so we've been studying, just looking at different stories in the New Testament of how people that loved the Lord with all their heart, but they were struggling. Now, if you struggle, and let me just say, when you struggle, because I know how many times I've struggled, when life doesn't make sense, when you're going through a midnight, when everything in you is hurting so bad, you say, God, where are you? You know how I love you. You know how I'm serving you. You know how I've given you my everything, and yet, Lord, how is this happening in my life? That's the story we're going to study today in John 11. It's the story of Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Take your Bibles and turn to John 11. Last week, as you're turning there, we studied the life of Philemon. See, Philemon was the man that started the church we call Colossae, Colossians, Colossae. And he started that church in his home, as far as we know. He was a wealthy man. He was a generous man. He was a leader. He loved the Lord with all of his heart, but he needed a breakthrough. His breakthrough is one of his slaves, Onesimus. It appears he had ripped him off. He had run away. And he'd run into Paul, who was in prison. And Paul had learned not to let his needs be an excuse for him to minister. So he had led Onesimus to Christ. And he had wrote the letter back to Philemon saying, Philemon, you're my brother. You need a breakthrough. You need to forgive Onesimus because he's not just your slave now. He's now your brother in Christ. Now, the week before that, we looked at Peter. Think about the apostle Peter. He went through Acts 1. He was praying with 120. Acts 2, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He preached and 3,000 were saved. Acts 3, he's going to the temple. He prays for a beggar that's a cripple, and God heals the cripple. Acts 4, Caiaphas, the high priest, and the plutocrats get together and say, Peter, you've got to shut your mouth about this Jesus. We killed him to get rid of him. And now 3,000 have come, and the whole Roman Empire is turning to Jesus because everyone's talking about Jesus. But now Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says, listen, let me tell you something. You may have my head, but I'm no longer fearful about talking about Jesus. 
He is the one you crucified. He's the cornerstone. And no other name can you be saved in the name of Jesus. And they looked at Peter and said, man, this is just an ordinary man. But they were astonished because they said, he's been with Jesus. And Peter becomes the champion of the church carrying the baton. And yet, he still needed a breakthrough. Now, I want you to know, wherever you are in your life, and the Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 3, he said, no matter where I am in life, I haven't taken hold yet of everything the Lord wants to take hold in me, so I'm pressing toward the mark. And I want you to know, in your life and my life, there will always be areas that you need a breakthrough. And finally, in Peter's life in Acts 10, verse 34, just write that reference down. Acts 10, 34. See, it's the reason why we're all here today. Because after more than 2,000 years in the Jewish mindset of they thinking that God was only for the Jewish people because of Abraham, Genesis 12. Peter said, I now realize. I want you to write those three words down. That's the definition of a breakthrough. See, I once was blind, but I now realize. This week, I ran into one of our ladies. She had just come from one of our women's Bible studies, and she was just praising God, what God was doing in her life and what God was doing in her family's life. But then, as the conversation was coming to an end, she said, Pastor, I don't understand it. Why is it sometimes when my husband and I were just upset at each other, we have a disagreement, and we know we should pray together, and maybe I'll even say, honey, are we going to pray tonight? And he'll say, no, I don't want to. I said, well, that's just an area you need to break through. And you need a breakthrough in that you don't live by your feelings. Right? I want you to know one day this week, I just had a disappointing day, a discouraging day. I just had one of those days that the expectations you had from people, they didn't work out. And I was just disappointed, and I was discouraged. And you know when you're disappointed and discouraged because God made us with feelings, what are your feelings saying? It's the pits. It's kind of like the people. How many people from Oklahoma are here this morning? Didn't you enjoy last night? I, I was busy at a party and came in and saw the last three minutes. I couldn't believe it. First time ever that the coach there has lost a home game with a Big 12 team. And he lost to Kansas State. Those people went out to spitting and a kicking and a cursing. Probably cut a few tires. You know, the book I'm writing right now is entitled Thinking God or Confused. Thinking God or Confused. Because there's 5,536 promises a victory in this book that says when you get saved, you're to walk in Christ's victory. And I said to Ronnie the other night, I said, you know, I'm writing this book right now. I'm on that chapter on living the life under the authority. It's entitled, What Were You Saved For? And my thesis statement is you were saved to live under the authority of God's Word in the power of the Holy Spirit enjoying his perspective 
knowing his peace, being obedient to him, to the glory of God. And I said, honey, it's tough when you're riding on victory but not feeling it. I want you to know we're going to study a story today. And see, I needed a breakthrough. But I knew this. I didn't feel like praying. My wife's sitting right here. I didn't feel like praying, so what did I say? I confess my struggle. And I said, honey, you lead us in prayer. See, that's why you need to be connected with people. That whenever you struggle, you don't keep it a... Because the devil, if you're struggling, he wants you to keep it a secret. Because if you'll keep it a secret, he'll strangle you. And you'll even stop coming to Bible study or worship to put yourself in the position to hear the word. So you need to stay connected. You need to keep putting yourself in the position of hearing the word. And you keep need to confess your sin to one another, your struggle, so you can have a breakthrough. And you know, after my wife prayed with me, then as I just laid there, I just prayed and I said, Father, I thank you, and that's where you need to know his promises, that joy comes in the morning. And I am going to walk by faith, and I'm going to say, feelings, you feel not so good now. See you later. Bye, feelings. And go to sleep. Now, we're going to study a passage today, sweeties. I promise you, you're going to love the study because it speaks to us in some of our most heartache times of life. And you'll see great insight. Are you all there, John 11? If you've never turned your Bible. And if you don't have your Bible today, you'll see the Scriptures up there. But start bringing your Bible. Start bringing an ink pen. Start bringing an expectant heart. And you'll be glad. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're going to see how to have breakthroughs in those times when life is so hurtful and so dark and it just doesn't make sense. John chapter 11 verses 1 to 3. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, and underline that, the one you love is sick. Now just write in your message notes why we need breakthroughs, breakthroughs Roman numeral one, because life, number one there, is hard and often does not make sense. Life is hard and often does not make sense. Now, I want to show you something profound here that God wanted John to make very clear to the reader. See, just right under that in those two lines, the friendship of Jesus 
and Lazarus is emphasized. The friendship of Jesus and Lazarus is emphasized. And then under that second line, write verse 3, verse 5, verse 11, and verse 36. Let's look at them. In verse 3, it points out, the sisters sent word to Jesus, and by the way, Lord, the one you love, we know Jesus loved everyone, but the one, he's tight with you, Lord. You know, we're, we're on the inside with you. Look at verse 5. In verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Look at verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus. And then look at verse 36. When Jesus goes there to the tomb, the Jews, seeing Jesus weeping in verse 35, say, See how he loved him. Now, I want you to understand from the very beginning today that this story, John 11, that most of you've read, most of you've heard, the highlight is not about a dead man being raised. Only two verses out of 45 verses are given to a dead man being raised. It is not about that. It is about, do you, did they believe that Jesus is Almighty God? You're going to see the whole thesis of this is when Jesus looks at Martha and says, Do you believe? It's not about Lazarus died and we got a problem. And see, that's why we need breakthroughs often. Often we just see the circumstance and we think, if I could just get this taken care of. And you're going to see that both Martha and Mary say, when Jesus finally gets there, four days after they've requested it, they both have rehearsed in their mind, well, Lord, if you'd have just been here. See, life is hard. And often does not make sense. And when you're loving the Lord. You know, in first service, I happen to just look at, when I look out and see your faces, I just see stories. And when I looked out in first service, I saw Sam and Cindy Ackeson. And immediately, I had a flashback to 10 years ago because I visited with them after service and Cindy said, can you believe, Pastor, it's been 10 years? I said, I lose all track of time. But I remember when you called me and said, our son's been killed in a car wreck. And I drove over to their home, and we sat at the kitchen table and just wept. And even though I've never had a child die because I walked through that experience with my parents when my older brother died coming up 17 years ago. I know what it's like. I, I know that brother that died. I was with him when he was 27 and I was 26 and I just got into the hospital at 4.30 in the morning because my mom had called and 
right as I sat down with him, the surgeon came in and said, I'm so sorry, Mr. Hunter, your wife has severed her spinal cord and she'll be paralyzed from the chin down the rest of her life. I remember as I took my brother home and because the doctor said, take him home, he was not injured, and, and make him go to bed and just stay there with him. And Doug kept his composure while he was at the hospital and he listened to the facts. But once I remember, he, he went into his bedroom and he had a small house, so I'm sitting here and just the wall between us. And all of a sudden, I heard him screaming and punching the wall, screaming, why God, why God, why God? And if you live very long in this fallen world, you'll have those experiences. The life is hard and often doesn't make sense. And especially when you love the Lord with all your heart, you say, why are you allowing this to happen? Lord, I'm close to you. I'm on the inside with you, Lord. That's where Martha and Mary were. See, write down number two. We struggle with our suffering knowing that God loves us. Don't we? I recall once when I had to bury a little baby and I was the one that carried the casket to the grave. Six-month-old little boy. And so we had the service at the gravesite just with the mom and dad and the two sets of grandparents. And after, and I'm reading the Word of God. I mean, everything I'm saying is the Word of God. And, and they're all Christians, and so they know it's true. But it doesn't make sense to need to bury a six-month-old little boy. And, and at the time, I was only 35, so my boys were little. And as I stood there, after I put the little casket down in the hole, I'll never forget that one grandma, the parents came by, I hugged them, everybody was crying, and the last grandma that came by just started wailing on my chest. At the same time, she put her arms around, and she just said, Preacher, tell me why. Tell me why. That's where Martha and Mary are, and we all find ourselves there. We struggle with our suffering knowing that God is good. Knowing that God is great, He's omnipotent, He's omniscient, He's omnipresent. He can change this, but in this old fallen world, He doesn't. See, write this down. We'll see this in John 11. See, we struggle with our suffering knowing God. You've already written that down. Because we do not see the big picture. We call it the eternal perspective. And we're going to see and write these three passages down. Verse 4, verse 15 and verse 25 to 27. See, look at verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. And then underline, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. I want you to know, because God knows everything, never does He want to waste any hurt, heartache, suffering in any of our lives. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, and for your sake, now this is amazing. 
Just back up to verse 14. The disciples didn't understand that Jesus had, I mean, Lazarus had really died, so he's told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, boys. And then this is one of the most amazing verses that you can ever find in the New Testament. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. Huh? What if one of you called me sometime and said, Pastor, and a family member has just died, and I would say, and I'm glad. You go, what? See, don't just read the New Testament and say, and keep going. Think, Jesus said, yeah, he's dead, and I'm glad. But notice those next words that followed. He's glad, and say it with me, so that you... I keep learning in my life, and one chapter will be in this book what I have learned and continue to learn in my suffering. And that is, God always wants to be glorified through my suffering. But only as I humble myself and He graces me. What did the Apostle Paul say? In my suffering that I pleaded, 2 Corinthians 12, that God would remove it. I have learned to what? In my weakness, live His perfect strength. And now I boast in everything that's weak in my life. Everything that hurts in my life. I boast because I'm learning the sufficiency of Christ. Now look at verses 25 to 27. Here is what this chapter is all about. See, when finally Jesus gets there, four days late in Martha and Mary's mind, we could entitle this message, When Jesus Appears Late. But Martha, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Right above those words, I am, does that remind you of anything, I am? Write down Exodus 3, 13 and 14. Do you remember when another guy needed a breakthrough? His name was Moses. And God had come to Moses in the desert. You need a lot of breakthroughs when you're out in the, mo out in the desert. And God said, I want you to go, and we're going to set our people, Israel, free. And Moses is having trouble believing. And he finally says, well, what would I even tell the Israelites? Who would I say is going to set them free? And God said, I am. And that's the Hebrew word, Yahweh, Jehovah. And here Jesus is saying, I am. I am God in flesh. I am the Christ, the resurrection and the life. He who believes, and notice how this word just continues to reoccur. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And here is the question of all questions. Underline it, star it. Do you believe this? Remember a couple of weeks ago, 
when we were studying in 1 Peter 5. And I said, one of the most beloved promises in all of God's Word is 1 Peter 5, 7. Christian bookstores have made millions of dollars by getting artists to just create a, an attractive, beautiful background, and then they set that scripture. And people pay $50, $100, to $300 to put that in their living room. What's the promise? Cast all your cares upon him, knowing he cares for you. We love that because it's so applicable. It's so needed in our life. We all have cares. But you've done it. I've done it. You've cast a tremendous burden on the Lord. But before you even get up and walk out of the room, what do you take with you? That burden. Because we said only as you're humble before God will you be graced to cast your care and leave it with the Lord. Because pride will always carry its burdens with you. Pride will always carry its sin with you. Pride, see, is trying to fix and manage and stay in charge. Only humble can you cast your care, just like only humble can you give your sin to God. And it's amazing how we all struggle to get that breakthrough, to enjoy. I cast all my burdens on the Lord and I leave them there. Well, it all comes down, do you believe that this word is trustworthy to be the authority for your life. That's what Jesus was asking Martha and Mary. Do you believe? Now notice, look on your message notes. See, all of us would say today, it's a beautiful day outside. That's mental assent. We believe this. But look at the word believe that's used more than any other word in the New Testament about a relationship with God. In the Gospel of John alone, it's used 99 times. You see, it's used often in this chapter. See, the word is pisteo. It means to entrust something to someone. That is your life. To rely upon completely, according to the authority of God's Word. To be convinced of, to accept is true, to have faith in, to trust in God. That's the biblical word believe well let's write in number three and continue our study see we need breakthroughs because number three not understanding what God is doing we become what upset we panic we feel sorry for ourselves we doubt we become discouraged and, and you know why there's so many empty chairs in this room this morning. Let me tell you, because often we had an elders meeting the other day, and I, I talk so much at times I just say, okay, just shut your mouth and don't talk for another 10, 15 minutes. Because I could just talk continuously. And so if they happen to hit a time when I've just said, okay, I'm going to be quiet for 10, 15 minutes, then whatever they say, it just goes, and I just sit there. And then when I find myself talking a lot, again, the Lord says, okay, you need to just be quiet. But one of the things came up, and it was during my quiet, you know, where I put, okay, be quiet for the next 10, 15 minutes, no matter what. As one person said, what all church leaders, why do people come and why do people go? 
Why are there empty chairs in here? And we kind of scratch our heads and say, well, we need to do this and we need to do that. And if we did this and we did that, and that's all good discussion. But do you know why there's empty chairs in here? I'll tell you why there's empty chairs in here. Because life is hard. You guys have no idea what happened in the people of West County Community Church this week. I have no idea. But by God's grace, because I'm a loving pastor that weeps with those that weep, and I don't judge those when they're in deep sin, often I get all kinds of calls. It's unbelievable the suffering that goes on in people's lives. It's unbelievable the addictions, the heartaches that are sitting in this room that you most of you have no clue because we've learned when we come to church to say, Hi, how are you? And in the greeting time, how many of you during the greeting time, someone just burst out crying and saying, I think I'm going to die. My spouse was unfaithful to me this morning or this week. My kid's on drugs. I found out this. I found out that. I lost my job. We don't share that much at church, do we? We say, hi, sugar. How are you? I'm just fine. Hi, sweetie. I love you. Yes. And that's all good. But I'll tell you why there's empty chairs. Because life is so hard. And if we don't learn to humble ourselves and let God be God in our life, we don't have the strength to get up and come to church on Sunday. Do you understand that? If you're not connected, Brad Gilbert said something so powerful. Buddy, I repeated it the rest of the week. We were at Wednesday morning Bible study. And we were talking about just different areas. It's a smaller group, about six, seven guys. And so the guys are very honest there. They're very transparent. Whatever's going on in our lives, we just vomit it out. We say we need prayer. We learn to trust each other. We were talking about the breakthroughs we all need in our lives. And just to encourage each other, the last few minutes, Brad reached in his pocket. We're sitting around this big round table. And he takes out a key and he slaps it down on the table. And he says, you all need a key. Because the owner, it's an office that we meet in. And the owner is giving Brad a key that when he's out of town, Brad opens the office door for. And he said, if you all had a key, no matter what life brings to you, you wouldn't quit coming here. Because there's days when I don't feel like coming. But I don't want you meeting out there in the dark and the cold. And you all need a key. You were there, Andy, you remember? Hey, on Friday morning, see, Friday is the end of my week, just in my clock. And often on Friday morning, a bunch of you guys are here. They know. I tell them. I say, buddies, I want you to know I w you're more spiritual than me today because if it had been up to me, I got the key on Friday morning and who I'm teaching. 
And if it weren't for you guys, I wouldn't be here. I tell you, when that alarm clock went off at 5, a little after 5, those blankets grabbed me and started doing a chokehold and said, don't you move. <laughs> I call it the battle of the blankets. I started to move, and my left leg said, don't you dare try to move. You're dead. Just lay there. You need another hour of sleep. But you know what? I know I got some buddies that are counting on me being there. So it doesn't matter what kind of heartache I'm going through. It doesn't matter how I feel. And see, the devil doesn't want some of you to ever have that accountability and encouragement to move you forward. Because you know what? I've never been to a Bible study that I wasn't glad, that I wasn't blessed, that I wasn't encouraged. See, we've done this before. This is free, and we'll go on. Just look at the person by you, even if you don't even know them, and say, I need you. And what do you need? You need encouragement. You need prayer. You need someone to count on you. See, how many of you, when you miss church, does even one person call? Raise your hand. When you miss church, how many of you do you have at least one person call you and say, I really miss you? Raise your hand. See what I'm talking about? Two people. That, did you just get that? That was profound. See, elders, you talk about priorities, that's a priority. That we need to pray for our church family, that God's convicting spirit would work in our lives, that we would realize we need one another. And when you see empty chairs, it's because people are hurting and they've given up on God. They've given up on people and no one calls and encourages. Well, let's keep going. See, right in number three, not understanding what God is doing, we become upset. We got that, didn't we? Now, right in underneath that, number one, his disciples did not understand. That's verse 15 and 16. Right in number two, Martha did not understand. That's verse 21. And then right in number three, Mary did not understand. That's verse 32. Follow with me as I read verses 7 to 21. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. See, they don't have a clue what's going on. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he just meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And underline verse 15, put a star there. And for your sake I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. See, everything God's doing in our lives is that we might entrust ourselves completely to him. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. See, he needs a breakthrough. He doesn't even know what Jesus is talking about. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now put a star by that. 
That's a problem because in Jewish thought, they thought after three days, the spirit that would hover around the body is gone and there's no hope, no hope, no hope. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Now this is what is called self-talk. This is what Martha and Mary have been rehearsing ever since this happening, this circumstance has occurred. Underline it and start. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, underline this, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now you're going to see they've been repeating that in their head for four days because when Jesus encounters Mary, she says the same thing. See, look at number four and write it in. We struggle with believing the Lord, and you're going to see that's what this chapter is all about. We'll read on, 22 to 32. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, and if you haven't already, underline this and put three asterisks by it. I am. That is, I am God. And because I am God, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And here's the question of the whole Bible. Do you believe this? See, that's the first chapter of the book I'm writing. As I look back in my life, I realize that I've lived so much of my life confused, not thanking God. And I've never known another professing Christian that doesn't also, if they're honest, they look back and they've lived most of their life confused. Now what is confused? Confused is living by your circumstances, living by your feelings, living by your past, living by your present, your pressures, your problems. It's living by all of these things that all are around us and have bruised us and wounded us and hurt. But see, God saves us to live by Faith, Romans 1, 16, 17, talks about how we're saved by faith. But then it says, verse 18, that the righteous will live by faith. And what does that mean? Faith must have an object, live by the authority of God's Word. So I'm saved by faith, and I'm to live by faith. I'm to walk by faith. I'm to breathe by faith. And so the first chapter is just, what is the authority for your life? All of you answer that right now. What is the authority for your life? See, when a wife and a husband say, you know, when we have a bad night and we just have disagreements and we don't like each other and he didn't do this and she did that and I don't like this, and so by feelings, 
We know we need to humble ourselves. We know we need God. We know we need to cast all our cares. We know we need to pray for each other. We know we need to encourage each other. We love for each other. And if someone came into the house at 2 o'clock, I'd give my life to protect my wife right now. But right now, I don't even want to pray with her. You know what our authority is? Our authority is ourself. This Wednesday night, I had the joy of leading a lady to Christ. She's, she was raised in church, been in church all her life. But a few Sundays ago, she came to the chapel and she came late. And guess what? Any late people had to sit on the front row. No options. So here she came. I just walked up to her. I met her. And I had the privilege of leading her older brother to Christ a few months ago. And it was his wife that had come to Christ and she had invited her. And the Spirit was working in her life. And I just asked that question. Has anyone ever shown you what it means to trust your life to the authority of God? See, that's different than saying, are you a Christian? I said, let's go through the Word. And as we're going through the Word, from the time she sat down, this was Wednesday night, from the time she sat down, she said, I want you to know I am a Christian. I want you to know I've been in church all my life. I said, okay. I said, let's just go through the Word and see who your authority is. And only the Holy Spirit can bring godly sorrow and repentance in our life. Only the Holy Spirit can turn the light on in your life and you realize who your authority is. So I ask you, see, that's what it means to be a Christian. God is your authority. That's what it means to be a Christian. Jesus is trying to ask Martha and Mary here, I know you believe in the resurrection, that the dead will rise in Christ, but I am the resurrection. Do you believe? Well, no, Lord, we really don't believe because if you'd have just been here, you wouldn't have failed us. And after about two hours, as only the Spirit can do. See, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts. It's the Holy Spirit that convinces. It's the Holy Spirit that opens the eyes of our heart and we suddenly see ourselves, but we know we're safe because God is perfect love. And she said, I've never changed my mind about my authority. I've been in control my whole life. Oh, one time when I was little, my parents were in control, but I didn't like it. But they were bigger than me, so they could make me go to bed. They could make me do this, but I've wanted to be in control my whole life. I said, well, you know, you can sin all you want to. Sin just says, God, I don't care what you say. I'll just do it my way. But now, even as a young lady, she's got scars and regrets and wounds. And only the Holy Spirit, just like surgical lights. You know, the surgical lights go on and they're real bright. And the doctors even use these glasses with the big lens that I mean they're microscopic so they can see. And God turns the light on and all of a sudden we see like Isaiah we studied about six months ago. And we say, oh God, woe is me, I am undone. And the light of his love shines on us. And she says, I, I want to repent. 
I want to change my mind about what my authority is. And that's becoming a Christian. You know why the church is filled with so much confusion? We knew we needed a Savior. We knew we needed forgiveness. And so we said, Jesus, forgive me. I'm just looking in the eyes of a lady that I sat down with her and a 71-year-old man. The first thing he said to me, I want you to know I'm a Christian. I'm a born-again Christian. He even knew that phrase. I said, that's okay. Let's just go through the Scriptures. And only as the Holy Spirit convicted him, he said, I've never humbled myself before God. That's a whole new concept. I've never changed authority. And only the Spirit of God, I said, it's what you were born for. And he was gloriously saved. By the way, the moment this young lady got saved, as soon as we got out, asked Jesus to come and take over, the first word, it was like a burp. She said, i got to get my dad and mom in here. She hadn't been to any evangelism training, but the Spirit of God had come in. She said, i got to get my dad and mom in here. Well, I want you to know, you can pray for her. She needs a little breakthrough because I asked her, I said, uh, are we scheduled for this Wednesday night? She says, well, I've kind of been scared to talk to them. She needs a breakthrough, right? Just surrender to the Holy Spirit and get the power to say, Mom, Dad, I love you with all my heart. Would you come in and listen to Pastor Phil? And really not listen to me, listen to the Spirit of God. Well, let's finish. See, we struggle with believing the Lord. Where do you struggle today? See, where do you struggle entrusting yourself to the Lord? Now, just know this. You'll struggle with entrusting things to the Lord until you totally entrust yourself to the Lord. And let me just give you three applications, the good news, for all of us needing breakthroughs. And we'd all agree we all need breakthroughs. See, read with me. Follow as I read 33 to 45. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. You know why he wept? Because he's so deeply loved. And let me just encourage you, church family. Some of us, because we grew up in so much hurt, Maybe our parents got divorced. Maybe we were abused. And the devil says, you know what? If you get close to people, you'll even hurt more. Because you know what happened when you loved so deeply and you got hurt? So I just don't want to hurt anymore. Believe me, I know a lot of pastors. When I wor- used to work a lot real closely, that's what I did. I worked with hundreds of pastors. They would just say, Phil, I want to see you. That's when I was 33 to 40. They'd say, I want to see you when you're 60. Well, I'm there now. And they'd say, I want to see if you're still as vulnerable and humble and reaching out 
because you're going to get hurt enough that you'll get tired of getting hurt by people because people hurt people hurt people. I want you to know by the grace of God, I'll take any hurt and ever hurt for all the joys and blessings I have in relationships. And by the, time, by the way, every time I get hurt again by another person, God just says you need to love them. You need to pray for them because they're just hurting. They wouldn't have done that to you if they weren't hurting. You've got to just realize when someone is ugly to you, it's because they're hurting. Right? You've got to remember that in your marriage. When, when a spouse hurts you, it's because they're hurting. Well, if you're hurting, you don't turn around and kick him if he's down or she's down. You what? Help him! And when you love deeply, you'll hurt a lot because when you love people and they're hurting, you'll hurt. And a lot of you know that. We're walking through things together. And when you hurt, see, in, in just a few minutes, this service is going to be over. But I want you to know, church keeps going on around here if you want to stay around. And some of the most meaningful things that God does all morning is after the service. When people are sharing their hurts and all we do is hug each other and I say, I'm with you. I'm praying for you. Don't give up. I know everything in you screams like giving up. You know what the devil says to you when you're hurting? Run. Don't let anyone see it. And whether you run from God or God's people, you can't be helped if you're running. You need to run to God and run to people when you're hurting. But see, here's the good news. Write it in, number one. I'll go quickly. The Lord loves you and is always at work for your good. See, Jesus was working here. He was about to show Martha, Mary, and Lazarus that he is God. And the big deal is not raising Lazarus from the dead because he's going to die again. The big deal is he's the resurrection. He's God, and you can believe in him. You can entrust yourself to him. Write these words down quickly. It's a beautiful song. In fact, go on the web. That's where I got them. I couldn't find our music. But Ronnie and I used to sing this 30 years ago, maybe even 40 years ago. It's trust in his heart and it goes God is too wise to be mistaken God is too good to be unkind so when you don't understand when you don't see his plan when you can't trace his hand trust his heart God is too wise to be mistaken God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see His plan, when you can't trace His hand, trust His heart. I saw a little 14-year-old girl once in Children's Hospital sing that right before they pulled the plugs on her sister to die. Do you think all those nurses in the room 
wanted the preacher, they knew I was the preacher with the family, to tell them about Jesus after they saw that. See, there's a world out there saying, can you believe God? And there's no greater time than we're going through midnights, but we're believing God. See, write it in number two. The Lord calls you by name to come out from your tomb of death. And just write in that line, my tomb of death is my unbelief. The Lord calls you by name to come out from your tomb of death. And my tomb of death is my unbelief. Verse 43, Jesus called him by name. Lazarus, you thought I'd forgotten about you, buddy, but I know you. Lazarus. And I want you to know today, you may think no one in this room knows me. God knows you. He created you for him. He created you, Colossians 1.18, to hold you together. He created you for, to, for him to be supreme, preeminent in your life. And until he is, you'll struggle with your breakthroughs. And right in number three, look at verse 44 and 45. 44, 45, it says, The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. See, number three, the Lord wants you to take off your grave clothes. And what are your grave clothes? Of unbelief. And live by faith under the authority of his word. See, just write down verse 26. Do you believe this? That is the word of God. Turn two pages back to John 8 and just write down. See John 8, 31, 32. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe this? Notice that's far different than do you come to church. Are you a member of West County Community Church? Do you serve here? Far different than do you believe this. Let's pray together. God wants you to be freed this morning. God wants you to be freed this morning. Just imagine that Jesus is talking just to you. It's not a crowd of people, just to you. Let's say you've been in church all your life or just this is the first day you've ever been here. And Jesus says, are you going to believe the Word of God to be the authority for your life? And you know what's your authority. And, and I just want to encourage you this morning with grace and mercy and kindness. If you call yourself a Christian, just understand biblically what a Christian is. A Christian is a person that has surrendered their life to the authority of God's Word. And they live that out because they've surrendered their life to the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has brought them to godly sorrow that they change their mind about their authority. It will no longer be themselves. It will be the Lord. And yes, as the Bible says, that once God begins that work in us, He continues us as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And we need one another. That's why He puts us in a church fellowship. And we grow in that. 
and, and we walk. And yes, we stumble and we fall, but by God's Spirit and by God's working in our life, He's made us new creations. We keep trusting and obeying His authority. Not our past, not our circumstances, not our feelings. We trust His Word because we believe it to be perfectly true. So whatever, whatever the struggle today, I just lovingly say, believe. Just surrender, believe. Say, Lord, my life is under your authority. Oh, Father, as your Holy Spirit can only do that work in each of our lives individually. I just thank you for your victory in our lives today. I thank you for people that realize they've never trusted you to be Lord and Savior. Oh, they prayed a prayer to be forgiven. They prayed a prayer to be fixed. But they know from their life they've never surrendered their authority. Everything that comes in their life, they reason, they rationalize, and they try to fix, manage, and control. But they don't say, Thus saith the word of God, that's how I'm going to live. And feelings, you catch up with me later. If you need Christ today to save you, and how does he save you? He becomes who he is. He's the Lord. He's the I am God. You just say, God, I thank you today for opening the eyes of my heart. I surrender to the authority of your word. I trust Christ's death on the cross for the payment of my sins. I repent. I change my mind about my authority. I ask you, Lord, by your Holy Spirit to come in and take the throne of my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit and make me a new creation just like your words promised. And then, Lord, as a new babe in Christ, I'll start walking by the authority of your word. Surrender to the power of your Holy Spirit. Living by your eternal perspective with your peace and joy to be obedient to you to the glory of God. If you're here today and you say, I know without a doubt that God's done that work in my life, but I'm backslidden. I become what the Bible says, carnal-minded. And I've gotten disconnected. And the devil really schemed on me. I've been shameful and I've been secret. I've been running from God and running from His people that would encourage me and speak the truth. But I come back home today. I come to you, Lord, first. And Lord, you lead me and I'm going to get connected in Bible studies, in care groups, that in time I can trust people to say, here I am, help me. Oh, Father, thank you for your mighty working in our lives today. To your honor and your glory and your kingdom come. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen and amen. Is Vicki Shattuck here? There you are. Vicki has a word of announcement of what's happening in her life. If you were not here a few weeks ago, Michael and Vicki shared how God had called them to start a new church plant. And uh, Vicky's got an update on that. So, Sugar, you don't have a microphone? Well, you do real quick. No, let's get you a mic. 
right here, and I push mute or select. There you go. As all of you know, Michael and I have begun following a calling to plant a church here in Baldwin. While we begin this effort, there is a need for Michael and I to both continue working. While not knowing what the Lord would provide for me and when, I was presented this past week with a job opportunity. The provision of employment has come more quickly than anticipated. With this opportunity, I will be stepping down from my position effective September 30th. I've already begun preparing the children's ministry team to take the reins in my absence. This will also allow Michael and I to begin building relationships with other church planters in the area and as we visit them and get to know them and build relationships in their churches. It is definitely bittersweet for me to uh, leave this wonderful body of believers, but as Mark Tom said a few weeks ago, that we understand that there are seasons in our life, and I know that this is an exciting season that God is going to just show Michael and I how to fully rely on him as we minister in our community in a unique way. It's been a very huge blessing and a joy to be able to serve here and to get to know many of you and your families. Thank you. They, they did the same thing in the first service, and I told Vicki, they're not clapping because you're leaving. They're <laughs> clapping because they love you and appreciate you. And uh, to have a formal time to do that, one week from today, so next Sunday, from 4 to 6 o'clock, downstairs in our commons, we invite you to come, and you can come, and there will just be a line of people that are just, you can personally share with Vicki and Michael and their children your love and appreciation and affirmation. There will also be an offering box in, in the comments downstairs that if you'd like to give a love gift uh, to help them in their new church plant, uh, we encourage you to do so. And so that's next Sunday. I'll send, are all of you reading my email that I send to you each week? If you don't know about that, I'm sending an email just kind of remind you of what's going on. And also telling you, like, read this chapter or read this passage that this will be our study each Sunday so we can even be more prepared as we study the Word each Sunday. So that's next Sunday, and we'll send this out again tomorrow, just reminding everyone in our church family, this time next Sunday, 4 to 6 o'clock. And you can go out there, sugar, in the foyer. And Kim Tom, even though we're out of time, Kim Tom wanted to tell you uh, you know, last Wednesday night, we had over 300 people here in Bible study. So if you look around, we had a lot more people than this in Bible study last Wednesday night. Men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, students in Zoe Bible study, and Awana, children Bible study. So there's a place for all of you. And it's a place you can get connected. Well, also during the week, nearly every day of the week, and on Tuesdays, Kim's going to tell you we're having men's and women's Bible studies. It's yours. Okay. Well, Tuesday mornings, ladies, I'd love to invite every one of you um, to come to our Rejoice 
study. It starts at 9.30. We meet in the new coffee shop in the new building, which is an amazing blessing. Um, we have a huge screen in there for our uh, programs that we watch, our studies. Um, we're doing two different studies. Uh, one group is led by Jackie Rosaboom, and it's an A.W. Tozar book study. Um, and then the other study is a study of Malachi, and that's being led by Amy Moeller and Marty Mantell. Um, and ladies, I know we're all busy. You know, I have a lot of kids, and it's a struggle sometimes to even get there. But um, I'm always so thankful when I'm there. It's a blessing. We have time just to get into God's Word together, to fellowship. And I'd really love to see some new faces there and some old faces. So um, please come this Tuesday, 930. We all need a key. Let's pray together. Just take the hand of the person by you. Why? Because we need each other. Get connected. If you're brand new today, I've already met some people. This is your first Sunday. Get connected. If God leads you here, get connected. Don't just come to worship service. We need each other. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you today that whatever's going on in our life we don't understand, or whatever will go in our life we don't understand, you are the Lord God. And you don't want us to live by our feelings. You don't want us to live by our circumstances. You want us to live by your character. And as that's revealed in your perfect holy word. So thank you for your encouraging. Thank you for resolve this morning as you spoke to us. That we said, Lord... We're going to trust you with all our heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Greet one another in the Lord Jesus today.